We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder, and I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. And I'm coming at you live from Levi Stadium after another practice of 49ers training camp. This is the today was the second of a three practice stint. Today is Saturday, August 6th, just for a little reference for you. And there will be another practice tomorrow. Sunday, August 7th, and then they will get one day off on that Monday, and then the team will pretty much go into like a a mock game week scenario as they prepare for their Friday night game, what I believe is a Friday night game, against the Green Bay Packers for their preseason opener. And yes, we are already less than one week away from the 49ers playing a football game. I don't really care what your opinion is on preseason, whether it's needed or whether it's not. The 49ers are going to be playing football in less than a week. So, I mean, that deserves a little bit of hype. Today was a nice, cool day, only a high of 77. Now, for me, that could obviously be – you could consider <laughs> there. there are people out there that may not consider 77 cool, but – Coming from the Central Valley, that there are times when that is like a 30-degree upgrade for me. So, 77 is pretty cool for me. Started with a little bit of overcast, which I love. And then the sun eventually won out by the end of practice. Today might have been the most entertaining day of practice of camp this far. It was so entertaining from a football football perspective from like a coaching perspective, from an evaluation perspective, just a lot going on, a lot of competition. You know, you started with a hilarious Kyle Shanahan press conference, hilarious and informative, to, you know, we got offensive offensive line versus defensive line, one-on-one drills, a final 30-minute move the ball period, which is not common 
at 49ers practice. They don't do move the ball periods all that often. And not only did they do that, but they finished with like a two-minute drill, about a minute and 40 seconds on the clock. So a very entertaining day of practice. Uh, no Nick Bosa today, likely a rest day. Um, Eric Armstead's out too. He's still recovering uh, from that knee tweak. He seems to be recovering well. He's running on the side of the field. Uh, Javon Kinlaw was at practice in limited fashion, tweeted out a video of him. Just a massive dude. And he's kind of massive in the same way Nick Bosa is, like, Still a huge dude, but pretty low on body fat. Still has like a six-pack. Javon Kinlaw is a mean dude. They're kind of easing him back. He only did one rep of one-on-one. Most players did like three or four. And I think that you know he's just going to play a massive factor for the team this season. And they know that, so they're just kind of easing him back in. Um, if you didn't hear, the 49ers signed wide receiver Willie Sneed. Uh, probably essentially just a depth move after depth move after they cut uh, rookie Taysier Mack and Marcus Johnson still coming back from concussion protocol. The Marcus Johnson concussion was, of course, the concussion from the dirty hit from a linebacker that spawned the fight between the offensive defense, which was actually the second fight of the day. So. Just a little bit of context there. But Marcus Johnson did actually take some reps, very limited reps in the team portion of practice. Uh, I'm not sure if he was in during one-on-ones. He is wearing a blue jersey, so that just means he's moving through the concussion protocol from the from the fact that he had reps on the field means he's probably in the final stages. Um, he just has to continue to wear that blue jersey to let the other players know not to hit him. Um, the 49ers also signed veteran offensive lineman Jordan Mills. Um, who I believe was either last of the Cardinals or did a decent stint with the Cardinals. I'd have to look up his former teams. Just a veteran offensive lineman who actually looked pretty solid in one-on-one drills. I mean, I guess you should. You're coming in completely fresh, but um, uh, probably a depth addition there. I'm not exactly sure if he's got a chance to make the team, but maybe the 49ers were looking for a reliable veteran to have behind their starters as opposed to the younger offensive linemen they've kind of got right now. So interesting to keep an eye on there. It could be depth that goes into the season. It could be a player that they just, you know, release when when they bring in another player. We'll see. We'll see. Um, to start off the day, and if, if you kind of like can tell, I'm probably not talking with as much like ups and downs as I normally do, inflection. Um, I'm just in the little, uh, what do you call it, TV room right next to the 49ers media room. So I don't want to talk too loud when outside the door are all of the 49ers media working on their their pieces for the day. It is a, it's not a soundproof room, but it's a room that's pretty well sealed up. I just don't want to use my typical volume and just blow up the room with my voice when they're all trying to work. So that's kind of why I'm not whispering. I'm just not getting quite as animated as I usually do. So... Started off the day with a Kyle Shanahan presser. Um, I did ask him a couple questions. The first one was just about kind of asking him to expand on Brandon Ayuk. Yesterday, Kyle Shanahan kind of talked about how his demeanor has evolved and how he's become more of a leader, more social. Uh, Today, I asked him kind of how his game has evolved and the fact that he's out there in camp essentially dominating And I wanted to know what Kyle Shanahan felt about his progress and what elements of his game could be attributed to to his his huge improvement. And, I mean, I say huge improvement, but Brandon Ayuk ended the season very well. He's just 
playing at a, at a really, really high level right now. And I knew Kyle Shanahan would want to expand on that. And he did. He said he was just playing the game with a newfound violence when it comes to the way he runs his routes at full speed, the way he breaks down and drives his knees and feet into the ground in, in a violent way suddenly. That's the biggest thing I have to coach with my receivers is like, one, whenever you start a route, it needs to look like a go. It needs to be fast. It needs to be violent. The DB needs to think you are running as hard as you can and just trying to get out of there. And then when you break down, it needs to be as sudden as you can be. You don't want to do anything with your body that's tipping off the DB that you're about to break down, like rising your hips or your shoulders or or pulling your body up, which is what a lot of people do when they know they have to put the brakes on. And you just want everything to be sudden, very sudden, which is like Kyle Shanahan said in, in his answer, it's very hard on the body to run like that, to just sprint, stop, sprint, stop, cut, sprint, stop, cut, 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 sprint. It's it's really, I mean, if you think about it, it's not natural at all. It's not what the human body was designed for, to just run straight, stop, turn left, run fast. Like, you know, everything's just so sudden, but that's what it takes to be a great wide receiver. Kyle talk, Kyle Shanahan was asked by Eric Branch, you know, what are some of the best route runners that you don't have on the team? And he talked about Julio Jones and Andre Johnson and a few other guys and the fact that they just did everything so fast, whether it was breaking, everything was quick, you know, whether it was their, their stem of their route, you know, just their release driving down, down the field. And those are all things that he said Brandon Ayuk has started to do really well. You know, he says he's, there's no wasted time. He's not spending time hand fighting. He's doing it with his feet, driving with his hips, creating lanes for himself. And uh, it was uh, it was impressive. Uh, you know, you could tell that Kyle Shanahan, given his answer yesterday and today, just has a, like, a renewed confidence in Brandon Ayuk. And, and it, you know, the the stuff that they went through last year, whatever that was, we never really found out, is pretty much in the past. And it, it seems that way. Obviously, you don't really know what caused it in the first place, and could it be something that comes back up again? But one thing that I thought was interesting is we got to hear from Danny Gray, the 49ers rookie receiver today. And when he was asked about Kyle Shanahan and how he evaluates wide receivers, given the fact that he was a wide receiver in college, you could see Danny Gray's face change. And he was like, Kyle Shanahan is very, very hard on the receivers. And he, that wasn't the full quote, but you can tell that Kyle Shanahan definitely keeps a very sharp eye on the receivers and is probably quite a bit harder on them than he is other positions, just given how intimate he is with that position he played that position it's a huge part of his offense as an offensive coordinator he's used to demanding certain things from that position so Danny Gray didn't necessarily say like oh well he you know he he does things that he shouldn't do he didn't say it like that he just made it very clear that you have to be on your game at all times with Kyle Shanahan at at the receiver position because he is going to scrutinize it at a much higher level than any other position on the 49ers roster. And that's not surprising given Kyle Shanahan's history. Uh, Moving on with Kyle's press conference, he told a funny story about, he was kind of going through all the 49ers veterans that were uh, on the team, basically during the Dion year. 
um, when they went all the way. And at one point he talked about Richard Dent and the fact that he gave his rookie, a rookie receiver, a golf club. It sounded like a putter. And then that rookie receiver accidentally dropped it into a lake and then offered, and then Dent came back and offered anybody who could get it out of the lake, $200. So apparently a, a young, I want to say middle school aged Kyle Shanahan went to that golf course with snorkel and goggles and, and flippers and apparently in a very dirty lake fished out the golf club and got himself $200. So it was a super entertaining story. Another question he asked and with an entertaining answer was, uh, uh, Tracy Saylor asked, you know, which players at the 49 of the 49ers have shown up and not really acted like a rookie. And his immediate answer, Nick Bosa, Clearly, and Kyle Shanahan said he's been a pro since he was three years old. Um, I asked uh, Kyle Shanahan another question about has having Trey Lance changed your playbook? Super simple question. Just give him, you know, the the leeway to answer that however you want to. And he said, no, not really. It just really what it does is adds a new dynamic to every play. Like instead of when when Jimmy Garoppolo was running the offense. The defense had to cover 11 players because the odds that Jimmy Garoppolo was going to scramble effectively on any given play, even though he did he did do it from time to time, just wasn't a threat to the defense. They weren't going to lose a game because Jimmy Garoppolo rushed for 100 yards or anything like that. But now, he said, with Trey Lance, all of these plays have an added element that the defense has to account for. And if they don't, Kyle Shanahan and Trey Lance are going to pick up on that and they're going to start punishing them with it. You know, Trey Lance is going to start keeping the ball, whether it's on design runs or scrambles where they don't have a spy on Lance and he can just, you know, eat up chunk yards, 10 to 15 yards. I mean, we've got the 49ers defense that's used to life against Trey Lance and Trey Lance still finds a way to to make things happen with his feet. So it really what Kyle Shanahan said was Trey Lance hasn't necessarily changed his playbook. He's just made every play more dangerous. And the fact that there's that one more element that a defense has to account for. And if they don't, that's their problem. They're going to pay for it. Uh, One of the first sessions of note of practice. Now, every practice starts with all kinds of warmups. I usually post a video of one or two of them to my Twitter. Um... But then eventually you get to uh, there's twelve periods usually twelve periods in practice period one through four each one's about eight to ten minutes they're all just warm ups different drills for each position group they're all doing them on their own part of the fields the two full size fields and then for period five or six usually is one on ones yesterday I watched the linebackers and DBs linebackers and safeties go against the tight ends and running backs. And today I got to watch the offensive and defensive line go against each other in their one-on-ones. And I like the way the offensive and defensive line does it. Basically, you have the entire offensive line lined up. Then you have the entire defensive line lined up. And then each player, each matchup, it just goes down the line. So the the right defensive end will go against the left tackle. And, you know, and their rep and then if like 10 seconds later the moment that rep ends then the right defensive tackle will go against the right guard then you have like a 
a one tech go against the center. Then you have, you know, same thing in reverse. So it's really cool to watch them go down the line and, and go through each matchup. And they really, really fire them off really, really, really quickly. And what I do is I basically evaluate each matchup like with a timer. And if the defensive lineman can't get to the quarterback within two or three seconds, or he doesn't push the offensive lineman into the area of the quarterback, thus knocking the playoff kilter, then I kind of just consider it a win for the offensive lineman. So I, I would say it's probably easier for an offensive lineman to win. But that's probably a little disingenuous from me. It, it seems like either group has a has a solid chance to win. Now, just to kind of give you an idea of what this looks like and how many reps they get during this session, I am just going to super quickly fly down my notes from this session. And in order to even understand what I'm saying, you'd have to know the team's numbers because I don't even I don't even have time to write down names. All you can do is write down the both their numbers and who won. So here's what it looks like. 56 pushes 71. That's Samson Ebicam versus Trent Williams. Ebicam had a couple reps against Williams and did okay. 99 beat 65. 58 beat 64, 74 beat 50, 68 beat 92, 57 beat 67, 60 beat 77, 94 beat 66, 75 beat 50, holding, 95 push, 78, 78 pushes 65, 61 beat 77, 77 losing to 95, 53 quick by 67, 50 pushes 62, 80 beat 74, 68 beats 92, 56 pushes 71, 94 beat 63, 50 stones, 58, 75 beats 78 rush. 55 beats 61, 62 works 50, 94 beats 77, 53 spins 67, 74 beats 94, 78 uh, beats 68, 78 gets 60, 63 good rep against 50, 75 goes through school, just in school, excuse me, 61 holds 77, 56 pushes 74 but holds, 53 spins 67, 63 beats 50, 55 swim move. 66 beats 77, 50 stone, 75. That is the entire one-on-one session right there. I mean, that is probably about 40 reps just by looking at it. I understand I didn't have to read every rep, but if you want to, you can slow that down to where I'm talking like, like that, and you can get every rep and look up every number on the team's website. You can sort there. If you click on the number symbol up top on the team's roster on their website, It'll sort the entire team by numbers. So, you, And what I do is I, I do that, but I have a paper in front of me during the reps just to kind of double-check who's who. So if you really wanted to slow down <laughs> what I just read you, you will be able to, to know who won about 95% of the reps during the O-line, D-line drills. And, I mean, you can see that it's pretty frantic as you're taking these notes. You know, you watch the rep. I try to write down the numbers as they're lining up, because once the rep starts, it's really hard to have the time to write after the rep. You kind of already have to write as much as you can and then really just write the result of the rep afterwards. You just got to try and write the numbers. You just don't have time because then they're going to jump to the next rep and you'll miss it. So really an interesting part of practice. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Uh, let me go see. I have, let me switch my notes real quick. I have standouts for you. And it's, it's really tough. You're trying to read the numbers. It's hard to see who exactly won the rep. But for the most part, I was able to keep it pretty accurate. Uh, Jason Poe, he won all of his reps, I think, except for one against Robert Candice. He's a small player, low center of gravity. Let me see where he's at in here. I want to say he's in the 50s. Trying to find him. Okay, Jason Poe. Okay, he's number sixty-two. He's six-one, but three hundred pounds. He's the same height as me, but outweighs me about by, by about sixty or seventy pounds. And he's a rookie out of Mercer. But he, I mean, his center of gravity is so low that unless you're just a truly powerful player that can just drive forward, he's a tough guy to move. And and he and just given his size, he moves really, really quickly. I could see the 49ers trying to get him onto the practice squad or him being a surprise at the bottom of the roster. I'm not sure, but pretty impressive little player. I mean, he had reps against Kevin Givens, Robert Kandichi. Uh, he, he did pretty good. I don't know how to say the other guys. Tomasi Laulule, Laulule, Laulule. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll work on that. I'll look that up. Um, some other standouts. Let's see. Uh, Colton McKivitz had a solid showing off on Hill on Hall of his reps. Uh, let me make sure I get this one right. He's in the fifties. Kimoko Ture. I, I just figured I always struggle that one. Big dude, six five, two fifty. You can see him in the video I recorded of of um, Javon Kinlaw, right around the same size. Like, just looks as intimidating. Veteran pass rusher. He did really good. He had some great spin moves. You know, really, really worked just in school multiple times. 
good reps from him. He also is pretty quick. So if he decides to translate that, you know, instead of going for a power move to just turn on the speed, you know, that could that could be somebody that ends up having, you know, if, if he makes the roster, he could be one of those five or six sack guys that get that pressure during those rotational situations that really pushes the 49ers defense over the top. Now, I know that five or six sacks doesn't seem like a lot, but for a rotational guy that would, you know, be behind Nick Bosa, be behind Sansom Mevukam, be maybe the the counterpart to Drake Jackson. You know, that would five or six sacks from a guy like that would be pretty strong. That would be what the 49ers were looking for. So pretty interesting session, as you can see. Very, uh, very frantic, very fast moving. Now, for the fun part. Oops, I just turned my cell phone flashlight on. You've got the move the ball period of practice. Now, this was a very, very long period of practice. They started with like maybe two sessions, two 12-minute sessions of just your standard move the ball drills where, not move the ball drills, excuse me, standard team drills where they're kind of just on like their own 30 and they're just running plays. And the ball never moves. And then I was surprised when we got to where there was maybe one session left. You know, you're starting to feel the end of practice. Boom, he kicked in the final second of session of practice, and it was 30 minutes long. Normally, each session is like 10 to 12. And I looked up there and was just surprised to see a 30-minute timer. I was like, okay, let's go. And which was exciting to me. The 49ers haven't done a whole lot of move the ball. And to get 30 minutes of it, was awesome. It was very, very, very back and forth. The offense would have a decent drive. The defense would would just completely stonewall a drive. Then the offense would have a decent drive. But you know, it it was it was just a very good session that, that made you feel good about the team. Not necessarily one sided. The defense didn't dominate the entire thing. And you got to give you know you got to take note of the fact that Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead weren't weren't on the field, and Javon Kinlaw probably didn't see a ton of reps in team, if any. I just didn't ever take note of him in team. I kind of just follow the ball around. So on the so when they started the move the ball period, I really took most of my notes in terms of what I'm going to talk about in the podcast from the last two drives. All right, because Trey Lance started the drive out. There was, let me see what I've got here in my notes for the second to last drive. Okay, here we go. First, you had Trey Lance throwing it towards Brandon Ayuk, and it was nearly picked off by Emmanuel Mosley. Now, this looked like one of those classic miscommunications where Lance threw the ball where he thought Ayuk was going to be, and Ayuk was nowhere near there. And instead of it being Ayuk there, it was. Mosley. Now, I don't know if if Lance expected because think of it this way: if Ayuk runs like a hitch where he breaks down and comes back towards the quarterback, Ayuk's throwing it right to him. If Ayuk is breaks down and goes towards the sideline, then Lance needs to kind of put it out in front of him and lead him out of bounds. Well, Lance threw it right to where Ayuk kind of made his breaks. And that tells me that he probably thought Ayuk was running a different route or Ayuk should have ran a different route. But I also could be completely wrong. It was just a horrible throw. Nearly picked by Emmanuel Mosley. Then in the next play, uh, Elijah Mitchell's run was stuffed. So then you're looking at third and long. 
Trey Lance drops back, faces immediate pressure from the defense. It was like an all-out blitz. And Trey Lance just tried to quickly dump it off to Elijah Mitchell in the flat, but didn't do it fast enough. Jimmy Ward was there. Jimmy Ward knew Trey Lance was going to have to get the ball out fast if he didn't want to take a sack. And so he threw it to Elijah Mitchell. It's a longer throw given he's way out in the flat. Jimmy Ward read it, ran in front of it, picked it off, and it was an easy pick six. The end zone was only 10 or 15 yards in front of him. So that was Trey Lance's first, I believe that was Trey Lance's first two-minute drive. I want to say the clock started with about a minute and 45 seconds. And um, and that was how he started. So it was like, damn. And then the other team, you know, the second team led by Nate Sudfeld had their own shot. I think they went most of the field, or at least maybe it was the drive before that that went most of the field. They did pretty good, but they're going against the second team defense. Goes back and forth. So that steps the stage. That sets the stage. There was about five minutes left in the entire period, essentially left, not even that, like two minutes left of practice on that 30-minute timer. And then Kyle Shanahan sends out the first-team offense and first-team defense for one last go at it. I believe technically it was the third-team offense's turn, but you can tell Kyle Shanahan was like, nope, let's get one more rep with the first team. Both first-team units went out there. And that's when Trey Lance went to work. Uh, it was a very, very impressive drive. Like I said, a minute and 40 seconds on the clock. So all of your throws have to leave, lead their targets out of bounds or you have to run up to the ball and get the play going. It, it was, Or it has to be incomplete because that stops the clock. So on the very first play, Trey Lance um, hit George Kittle into the left. He probably ran like a five-yard out. Uh, and it was clear that George Kittle would have broken the tackle. Now, normally, the defense is expected to run up and hit the offensive player, but not tackle. The uh, the linebacker, I don't remember who it was, couldn't really put a hit on Kittle because Kittle just cut up field super quick, and it kind of threw the linebacker off. So the refs and Kyle Shanahan gave George Kittle credit for that yardage because it just looked like one of those scenarios where Kittle would have broken the tackle in reality, the de- the the linebacker was not in a good enough position to to make that tackle. So just on that one play, they gained about 15 yards. On the next play, Trey Lance tries to hit Jermichael Hasty in the flat to the left. Can't find him. I believe he, it was kind of one of those plays that he's had where Hasty didn't quite separate enough, so he kind of just threw it over his head and threw it away. Uh, again, stopping time. On the next play, uh, Trey Lance scrambled for five yards. They kind of have to hurry up because I believe they may have had one or two timeouts and they used one right there. Trey Lance scrambles for five yards. So that sets up second, first, uh, that sets up third and long. Trey Lance finds Debo Samuel over the middle of the field for a first down. Debo Samuel, good concentration, had defenders around him, kind of ran like a 10-yard in, broke down. Trey Lance put it on him right out of his break, and Debo Samuel was able to catch it before the other the safety was able to come in and put a little bit of hit on him. Now, even though they don't tackle and they don't necessarily hit with full force, it was still a good concentration catch by Debo to not allow those defenders that were in the ballpark to just throw him off. That was one of the biggest plays of the drive that, like I said, converted on a third and long, took the offense into the defensive side of the field. Trey Lance scrambles for seven yards and gets out of bounds on the next play. And then on the next play, he finds George Kittle, um, who ran 
kind of like an eight-yard hitch on the right. Kittle catches it, breaks, uh, makes the first defender miss, and then the next defender comes up behind him and punches the ball out, and it falls onto the ground. Now, it didn't go far. George Kittle was able to immediately jump on it, and you know it actually added a couple yards to the play because he had to get on the ball. But still, scary moment for the offense. George Kittle managed to recover it, keeps the, 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 the thing moving, move, keeps the drive moving. Trey Lance immediately goes to George Kittle again. Short right pass. Kittle gets out of bounds, gains about six yards. By this time, the 49ers are on the 20-yard line, the the opponent's 20-yard line, with six seconds left. And on the very last play, Trey drops back, gets a little bit of pressure, scoots up into the pocket, finds some open space, had quite a bit of room to run the ball, but you got to think there's six seconds left. Trey said this in his press conference. There's six seconds left. I can't I can't run the ball here. That ends the game. I'm not going to get past the, the seven or eight guys that are going to break on me. So uh, Trey Lance saw Ray Ray McLeod flash to his left. Trey was kind of fading to his right. Trey fires it across the body. Ray Ray McLeod was able to box out Darquez Denard, uh, go up, get the ball right at the front of the end zone for the touchdown and what essentially would have been the game-winning play because the 49ers – Per the make-believe score, we're down four points, twenty-four to twenty. So essentially, in that moment, Trey Lance won the game. And to me, it was a really, really, really encouraging drive uh, because you got to think about what happened the drive before. I mean, it was such a quick drive that was immediately snuffed out by the defense and ended in a pick-six from Trey Lance and a young quarterback may let that get into his head, may get frustrated, may come out and make some more mistakes just because he doesn't have his full concentration. But Lance was able to go back out there and lead a, a genuine game-winning drive, you know. And, I mean, against this defense, yes, they're missing a couple pieces up front, but that is impressive nonetheless. And it was cool to see him just rebound from that. It was nice. I liked it. It was just cool to see. You know, you you like seeing back and forth between the offense and defense. It gives me something to talk about, and it, and it shows you that each unit has what it takes to be successful in a game scenario. So I just thought that was a huge series for Lance, showing the ability to bounce back, showing a short memory. And one thing I thought that was interesting about that drive was when the rubber meets the road, Trey starts to look for George Kittle. I mean, if I go back to the, the play series, you had the drive started with a pass to George Kittle and then ended with two passes to George Kittle before that touchdown throw to Ray Ray McLeod. So of those nine plays, five, uh, three of them went to George Kittle, and George Kittle was an essential element of those plays. Uh, in that series, Trey Lance was five of six. That one incomplete to Jermichael Hasty, and had two scrambles. So essentially – Trey Lance, I I mean, I guess this is kind of the obvious, given it's a two-minute drill. Of course, the quarterback has an essential role in every play. You can't really hand it off, but Trey Lance was very good. Five of six, only one incompletion, which was borderline a throwaway. Two scrambles that set them up for for the the next play to to convert and move the chains. Just a really, really positive series for, for Trey Lance, and I think it's interesting to me that when they got in that scenario, Trey was really, really looking for George Kittle. Um, 
I'd probably say that's a good way to just slowly glide into our training camp standouts, which is obviously my first one is Ray Ray, Ray McLeod. Now, what's interesting about McLeod is he had caught a few passes during the normal portion of team drills. A couple of them went for big yards, 20 to 30 yards. Had one where he was dragging across the field and Nate Sudfield just put it on him in a way where he was able to turn up the field, add more yards, almost an identical play, but going in the opposite direction to yesterday's pass from Trey Lance. So very similar play, going the different direction, but resulted in the same kind of 20, 30, 40-yard gain, hitting him in stride, allowing him to turn up field, use that speed. And seeing those couple of passes in team drills, it immediately made me text uh, the boy Eric Crocker, who was there, uh, he was in the stands, and I said, you know, I could see Ray Ray McLeod having a decent impact in this offense, and I'm not talking about a huge impact, but maybe one to two catches a game that go for like 20 to 30 yards apiece, kind of like the plays we've seen in the past two practices. You know, he's just a he's a shifty slot receiver that the 49ers don't really have right now. He's a good complement to like the big slot of Juwan Jennings. And Juwan Jennings has been decent. He's had a few catches over the past couple practices. But I could definitely see Ray Ray McLeod pushing Jennings for that spot. And then sure enough, right after me and Crocker had had this conversation via text, and right after I was kind of just mentally taking note of him, he's out there. For the 49ers first team with the 49ers first team offense on that final drive, and then just happens to catch the game winning pass from Trey Lance. So I would definitely, and, and you know that McLeod is going to have a big role in the return game, along with probably Ayuk, who was really good in punting, but maybe not Ayuk because they've got McLeod now. But I would, I would take note of McLeod, what he can do and how this offense could use him. And and what's interesting about that is their third-round rookie, Danny Gray, could be used in, in probably the exact same role as McLeod. The two can be swapped in and out, both speedy guys. But I could just see Kyle Shanahan finding a way to scheme McLeod into space, just like he would be on like a punt or a kick return, and let him create some yards after the catch. So just an interesting something to note about McLeod and his potential in this offense and how he starts being integrated in. We'll see tomorrow if he gets more reps for the first team. I want to say that may have been his first significant action with the first team. He's done well with the second team. And it was in a it was at a portion, a point of practice where I mean it was like the culmination of practice, you know, put up or shut up time, very last drive of practice, and then McLeod ended up being, you know, the the star on top of the Christmas tree there. So just something to watch. I'm not going to, I don't want to overblow it. And there's something more than it was, but I could definitely see McLeod working his way into the first team offense and just having one of those roles throughout the season where he may only catch one or two catches a game. If that, but that he may average 20 plus yards a catch because it's that one play that they've drawn up for the likes of McLeod or gray. And it's just a, a big play and explosive. So, just something to, something to look out for. George Kittle, another standout for me, again, just because uh, kind of like how I already said, I guess I already expanded upon it. Yesterday when the team was in, 
I think multiple people talked yesterday about the fact that a lot of Trey Lance's passes were a little shorter, a little more efficient. Well, Kyle Shanahan ended up saying today that the team was working on short yardage situations yesterday where they only needed about five, six, whatever to convert. So that kind of explains why the passes were shorter. And when they were in that scenario, kind of just like I was describing earlier, Trey went to to Kittle a lot. And then they just happened to be in a lot of short yarded situations today in that two minute drill. And Trey continued to go to Kittle. And I think that we're seeing, we've already seen what Trey and Ayuk are capable of. Now we're seeing what Trey and Kittle are capable of. And that's two, those are two, you're not even talking about Debo Samuel yet. Those are just two premier targets for Lance. And he's developing a good relationship with both of them. And I, it just seems like those three, along with Debo, will, and, and you know, you've got Elijah Mitchell, who's reliable too will really kind of form a group that will be responsible for consistently moving the chains on third down this year. I could see Ayuk being a third down guy, and I could definitely see Kittle being a third down guy. Talked about that yesterday. Big, good, good, good size, big tight ends are the best friends of young quarterbacks. So it doesn't surprise me that Kittle is starting to really find his footing in the offense under Trey Lance. Um, and that's just something to watch too is, is, is he about to have a – the 49ers, I mean, they could have three players over 1,000 yards. You could have Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle all go over 1,000. You know, if you want to back off that a, a bit, all go over 900 or something, which is – that is a blessing for a young quarterback to step into, to just have that repertoire of, of weapons all around you. And no matter where you look, you, you're probably going to have an open player. So, I mean, that when you when you when when I talk about it like that, it just goes to show you how much the situation matters when it comes to the success of young quarterbacks. So the running game was good again. You had Elijah Mitchell, who really looked like the guy. Ty Davis Price looks good. Trey Sermon looks good. It, it really does seem like the 49ers may have a, a pretty solid three-headed monster at running back. And Maybe Elijah Mitchell is always the guy that leads that group in touches, but they really all do seem skilled enough to relieve each other at any point. And the 49ers offense not suffer greatly because that person's not on the field. Kyle Shanahan kind of continues to mention how decisive Elijah Mitchell is. So, I, I again, I still think he's leading the pack just like he was last season. But you can just see a, a glow about Kyle Shanahan when he talks about the running backs. You can see their spark on the field. So, for the second practice in a row, you, I have to give a shout-out to the running backs. because, and, and that also goes to the offensive line who are doing the blocking. But they've just been solid. And it seems like the fact that the running game has been able to get going has allowed the offense as a whole to get going. It's given Trey Lance just a bit more comfort in within the offense. And that seems like it's been a pretty, uh, a, a pretty positive development over the last two practices. Because if you remember last practice, I said the offense gains a little momentum. And the defense had its wins today, but I would still characterize today as kind of a win for the offense. And and given how thoroughly the defense dominated the first half of training camp, it's been cool to see the offense pick up some steam, start making plays. Trey Lance, just something I've told a few of the, the beat writers here is 
he looks comfortable. Even when he makes mistakes, like the pick six today, that was in a situation of an all-out blitz where he just tried to get rid of the ball as quickly as he could. Didn't really have time to even throw it away. And it was just a great play by the defense. But I just haven't seen a lot of mistakes from Trey Lance that are like, whoa, like that's bad. This interception was his first interception, and in, I think in three practices. So I've I've liked what I've I really like what I've seen from Trey Lance. He just seems mature beyond his years. I mean, you got to remember how old is Trey Lance? Twenty two years old. Let me scroll down here and look. I just want to make sure I'm 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 right. Oh, I have a numerical order. Trey was right up top. Twenty two years old. I mean, like twenty two years old, and he's out there taking command of Kyle Shanahan's offense against one of the better defenses in the NFL, and he's not looking like a fool. You know, that's that's good stuff. I'm not going to – I fully expect there to be a host of young quarterback mistakes made by Trey Lance throughout the season. But as you saw today, those mistakes, there's a good chance they're accompanied by really encouraging aspects of his game, just like you saw today, where he threw that pick six to Trey uh, to Jimmy Ward in a in a high pressure situation, and then he immediately responds with a nine play drive going about eighty yards for a touchdown to win the quote unquote game. So, I think it's I think it's fair to be critical of Trey Lance. I think it's fair to expect mistakes and bumps in the road. But I also think it's fair at this point to be encouraged by what you've seen and be excited about what we're going to see from him throughout the regular season because it's not, you know, it's at this point, it doesn't seem like a roller coaster, really high, really low. Seems like an, an NFL quarterback is out there moving the 49ers offense. So I hope that makes sense. Trey Lance has been solid, probably the best way for me to pull it put it. He's been solid, especially when you consider how young he is, how inexperienced he is, and what defense he's going up against. But hey, I think that's it. I think that about wraps it up. We got our standouts in there. We went over the the move the ball period, the O-line versus D-line, Kyle Shanahan's press conference, and then just kind of the few little um, housekeeping details at the start of the pod. But I mean, I hope again, hope you guys are enjoying the, uh, the daily podcasts. Uh, I believe this one may be published tomorrow morning. It, again, it's Saturday. I believe this one's going to be published Sunday morning because our boy Tyler is, uh, is out doing weekend things, but fear not. You will, you will hear it eventually. And then again, I will be back here tomorrow for Sunday's practice and I will be recording right after. So, I appreciate all y'all listening to Striking Gold. You're the reason this podcast exists, so please continue to do so. Please keep supporting the pod. Uh, jump on your platforms. Leave us uh, whatever review you see fit. Obviously, we would prefer the good ones, but we're, we keep it real here. Download, subscribe, spread the word, all that good stuff. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. But for another episode from Levi Stadium, I'm Rob. This is your podcast, Dragon Gold, and we are signing out.